Well, I really feel like I have something to share with you here tonight. I'd like to draw your attention to the book of Matthew, chapter 24. Matthew, chapter 24. For all you Bible scholars out there, you probably already know where this is going, at least in part. Because Matthew 24 is just one of those chapters that is just, from start to finish, is just known for having one overarching subject. Okay, we're going to start in verse number three. We're going to read a few verses here, so please stick with me. We're going to start in Matthew 24 and verse number three. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the first thing, the preeminent statement about the end times. Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nations shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There should be famines, pestilence, pestilences, earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. All through this chapter, Jesus is giving us these little insinuations about a time frame. And he says in verse 8, all these are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. Many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. And then shall the end come. I simply want to entitle this uh, tonight, what time is it? What time is it? Why don't you turn to your neighbor and ask him that question? What time is it? Now, if they look at their watch, they're fired. Okay? And you cannot turn around this church to see what time it is lest you become like Lot's wife. So I want to talk to us tonight about what time is it? Let's pray. Father, we love you. God, your people are assembled here. Your spirit is here. Word of God is fresh, sharp, quick, and powerful. God, I pray that you'll bless the, the hearers. I pray each and every one of us take this to heart tonight in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Brother um, Ramil, if I could get just a little bit more monitor.
Brother Ramil's been doing a phenomenal job of running the sound. It has. Um, when we first got started, I know it was a challenge for everybody, both the sound man and people in the pew, and I think things are getting better every week. We appreciate him so much. Matthew chapter 24, um, among Bible students far and wide, is famous because it is the eschatological. Everybody say that with me, eschatological. It is the eschatological chapter in the book of Matthew. Now, that does not mean that Jesus does not make references to end-time events. But this, because of the questions that are asked by the disciples, this is a, I'm tempted to say chronological, but I think it's only chronological up into a point, and then I think some things could be synonymous, um, so on and so forth. This chapter, the subject matter of this chapter, uh, is also one of the harmonies of the gospel, which means that it's repeated in at least three, that being Mark chapter number 13 and then Luke chapter number 21. Um, it's not verbatim, but there are many of the exact same statements and references are made in those chapters that is made here in Matthew chapter 24. Most Bible teachers, when they're talking about eschatology in this particular setting, they go to Matthew chapter 24 because it appears to be, it appears to have the best flow. And when you're teaching, flow is a big deal. Because you like to go from point A to point to B. You, you, you like to go sequentially, one, two, three. And Matthew's account offers us that. As I've already mentioned, now this is, there is a methodology to this that is supernatural. And I'm not just talking about the subject matter, and I'm not just referring to the accounts that Jesus is describing, but the way he's, he's laying this out. There are supernatural indicators in this that I believe um, to the Holy Ghost-filled uh, reader that is alerted by the Holy Ghost and led by the Holy Ghost, you're going to pick these things up. It is amazing to me how many truths, and I don't like to say that we take them for granted because they're truths that we love and cherish and value, but you know how it is. You've heard Acts 2.38 a hundred times. You've heard it a thousand times. But I still love Acts 2.38. Amen. Okay, but it is amazing to me how the people with scholars and the prolific writers, and some of these I have commentaries and books from some of these authors, but I am amazed how that they have missed the importance, the incredible importance of Acts 2.38. Okay? Acts 2.38, Acts chapter 8, 
They can, they, they can quote John 3.16, and they can quote different fragments. And I don't have time to get into this tonight, but you have to trust the pastor when I tell you that there is a reason why that their understanding in modern denominationalism is only fragmented. There's a reason behind that. It's, it's, both, it's both biblical and historical. We'll talk about that in another time. But there is a reason for that. But Acts 2.38, for lack of a greater explanation, is the fulcrum of the word of God because the spirit of God that withdrew out of the human dynamic in the book of Genesis is now poured out. It's like God inhaled, and then in Acts 2, when Jesus said it was finished, God exhaled. And the potentiality and the possibility for God to live in mankind again became a reality. Let's lift our hands and just thank God for that. It's a big deal. If you've got the Holy Ghost, this is why we don't let the world determine our identity. You are, you're a a super Christian. Look at your neighbor and say, you are a super Christian. Now, if we could just get you to believe that, just having a little fun, but it is true in Jesus' name. For example, um, let's look at verse number three. The disciples come to Jesus and they ask three questions. And the remainder, this is a lot like Revelations chapter one, verse number 18. In Revelations chapter one, verse number 18, Jesus talks about things that are before, things that are present, and things that are to come. And the entirety of the book of Revelation is built on that one verse. Everything that we're about to look at, we're not gonna study the whole chapter. I don't really need to do that to get where I need to go here tonight, but we're gonna see enough of this to understand that the entire remainder of this, of this discourse is built on these three questions, and they are this. The disciples came unto him privately saying, tell us, when shall these things be? Well, the very first, the, the uh, preceding verse said, see not all these things, verily I say unto you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. He was talking about the temple and the nation of Israel and Jerusalem and how that there was going to be an obliteration. Well, the disciples are responding to that, and so they're asking question number one, when shall these things be? Question number two, what shall be the sign of thy coming? Number three, and of the end of the world. Okay? So, when you begin to read the remainder of this chapter, Jesus is responding to that. He is responding to those questions. Notice with me as Jesus begins his discourse here in verse number four, and as I've already mentioned, but it is noteworthy and, and valuable enough for us to repeat that the very first thing that Jesus said, take heed that no man deceive you. That could be your parents. 
And I am not anti-parent. I am, I am like up with parents. I'm like, I'm like for parents. But Jesus said, except a man leave his father and his mother. And so everything has to be qualified. And the, script, the scriptures do not contradict themselves. So there has to be another scripture somewhere that, that anchors that other scripture down. That could be your parents, that could be your husband, that could be your wife, that could be your children. And I'm not trying to be negative, but I'm trying to be, I'm trying to explain the scripture. No man, and I don't believe that that was talking about a gender specific term when it said man. And the scriptures, there are many scriptures where there is a new, actually a neutrality that is, that is, that is put there. Don't let anybody deceive you. That is the, the number one warning of the end time. I don't care how good the music program is. I don't care how slick the preacher is. Um, I'm, there's no slickness with me at all, okay? What you see is what you get. One guy in the back agrees with me. Um, but... I'm a mixed bag. I, I could surprise you. I could throw the mic down, just take a lap. I'm not afraid to do that. But I don't want people to think we're nuts, so I might hold off and wait till we're worshiping. But I'm not afraid to do that stuff. But anyway, let no man deceive you. Anybody. Anybody. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. Look at verse number eight, or I'm sorry, look at the end of verse number six. But the end is not yet. That's one hint. Jesus is, Jesus is throwing some hints out there. He's saying, but the end is not yet. Look at verse eight. He said, all these are the beginning of sorrows. Look at verse 14, the very last phrase and then shall the end come. So there's three references to time that we've seen in just 11 verses. So there's a methodology to what Jesus is doing here. He's not only describing events, but he's also describing a time frame. Okay? So I want to look at this here for a few minutes here, just this particular part of his discourse between verse 4 and 14. Now, I want you to look at verse 15. Brother Andrew, would you help me out? Look at this right here. When you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation. Hold it. Everything changed. Because he was going from a global situation. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world. That's global. Now he's getting very specific to, specific to 
a specific act that was prophesied, and he says this. Look at this. When you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, whoso readeth, let him understand. So Jesus went from wars and rumors of wars globally. Everything's global. Now he's bringing it down and he's defining it to one specific place and one event. And I'm going to tell you why I feel like that's noteworthy. Whether you're pre-trib, post-trib, everything in between trip. Um, Brother Larry Booker said, I'm pan-trib. I just know it's all going to pan out. And I thought that is a safe way to dodge any kind of position on the end time. However, I do believe my theological position as a pastor, I believe something takes place there between the gospel being preached in all the world in verse 14 and a specific event in a specific place which is in the temple in, verse, in Israel in verse 15. In Israel, in Jerusalem, in the temple. Everything changes. That's just me. And you know, you get around a bunch of preachers. Everybody loves to talk about eschatology. Everybody's got their own take. And I have a working knowledge of it, but I want to tell you, it is not more important than winning souls. Winning the lost is more important than knowing when the rapture is. You giving a Bible study to your neighbors and bringing them into reality is more important than the emergence of the Antichrist. I've been doing this a long time. In fact, next month will be 29 years. And for you young whippersnappers, that's a long time. And I feel like it's a long time because I started when I was 40. How many people start a church when they're 40? You only start a church when you're 40, when you get saved when you're 30. And you ain't got a choice. But winning souls is the order of the day. It's articulated very clearly, very specifically, emphatically in Acts chapter 1, verses 7 and 8. It's not for you to know the times of the seasons that the Father's put in his own power. I believe that was a direct reference in part to eschatology. But you shall have power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses. That is the most important thing. I don't care if you've got a chart in your living room that's 50 feet long and has the, the Nebuchadnezzar's image and how that ties into the revised Roman Empire, the ten-toed kingdom, and in the book of Revelations, and blah, blah. I remember that stuff is real big. There was a guy, I've got book, or I had books. I think somebody stole them. What Christian would steal books out of my library? If anybody steals your Bible, just say they really needed that. There's some guys around here, they have these real fancy Bibles that have this extra leather on them. It's called a yap. Don't try to steal one of those. Just buy one. Wow, it's quiet. 
But there's way, 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 way too many Bibles in the lost and found of this church. Your Bible needs you. It's lonely. It does no good without a set of eyes and a heart. Oh, somebody come to church tonight. Come on. All right. So I'm going to specifically talk about from verse number four to verse number 14, where it says, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. Okay? Regardless of what your feelings are, there are some things that are happening in our world that could easily overlay on top of this particular passage of Scripture. For example, verses 4 through 6 is talking about false doctrine, false teachers, false preachers, false apostles. Take heed that no man shall deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many, and ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. So first he talks about Deception and false doctrine and false teachers. Then he talks about war and conflict. For nation shall rise against nation. Verse number seven, for nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There's rumors of wars that have been reverberated around the globe ever since communication had the ability to detect such things. There were people that believed in God that thought that World War I was going to be a fulfillment of Matthew chapter 24. There, when um, World War II took place, there were people that thought that that was going to be a fulfillment of Matthew chapter 24. When the Korean conflict, the Vietnam conflict, um, the Iraq uh, conflict, so on and so forth. What I'm trying to say is we have had wars and rumors of wars ever since man has been able to make such determinations. There have been false prophets, false teachers, and a false doctrine ever since the apostles walked this earth. Because Paul's last words in Acts chapter 20 to the members of Ephesus was that as soon as I depart, there's gonna be false teachers that come in and try to take advantage of the flock of God. So false teaching has been here for 2,000 years. Wars and rumors of wars have been here for 2,000 years. Are you with me? Let's continue to read here. And there shall be famines. There's famine in the world right now. There's been famine in the world for the last 2,000, beyond 2,000 years. Pestilences. Everybody said COVID. Why is everybody laughing? Because we got duped. That's why. I talked to my friend, Brother Mark Drost, incredible evangelist, will be preaching here on Mother's Day next month. There were miracles that took place when Brother Drost was here. Brother Dross will also be preaching Summit next year. Brother Mark Dross. It's going to be amazing. Um, and Cornelius Williams will be preaching Summit next year. It's going to be good. 
So there's been famines for the last 2,000 years, pestilences for the last 2,000 years, earthquakes in diverse places, ever since seismology has been able to have the type of instrumentation where they can detect such things. There, scientists today can tell you where every earthquake, I had, I had an app on my phone that detected earthquakes every day around the world. So what are you trying to say, Pastor? I'm saying that these things have been with us for the last 2,000 years. But he said, all these are the beginnings of sorrows. Could it be? Could it be that we've always looked at that in a chronological sense, meaning there's going to be a point where all those things start, but could it be that they really overlap? And this is a sorrow that, is, that has come on the human experience and it's been with us for 2,000 years. Like I'm saying, every once in a while I get around somebody, oh, pastor, I know, I know everything about the book of Revelation. I'm like, this conversation is over. I'm not gonna let you waste my time. Nothing wrong with studying eschatology. It's fascinating. Covers both testaments. But every once in a while you get some know-it-all. I remember Brother Irvin Baxter um, at one time was a friend of mine. And um, he was just, he wrote a book. He was so sure that China and the rebuilding of the temple, he wrote a book called um, China and the Rebuilt Temple. And little did he know that there was going to be airplanes that fly into the Twin Towers in New York. He completely overlooked radical Islam. Abraham's seed. He completely overlooked it with his book. So I'm careful to try to cram current events into some biblical sock. And I just want to be about the Father's business. Let's lift our hands right now and just pray. I want to do what God wants me to do. I want to, I want to be what God wants me to be. I want to do what God wants me to do. That is the only way I'm truly going to be happy. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, praise the Lord. If we were to continue to read, as I mentioned in verse number 15, you have the, the abomination of desolation, the Antichrist, there's a lot of people that were preterists feel like that was already fulfilled under the Maccabean revolt, which was intertestamental. It was a time in which the nation of Israel revolted um, to their um, captors uh, under the times of the Gentiles. And one of those was an evil king by the name of Antiochus Epiphanes that actually did go in and slay a pig um, on the altar in in the temple. But this is not that. That was a historical event that took place, but this is intertwined with biblical prophecy and it is going to be specific. It is not going to be to the entire world. It is going to be to the Jews. Everything changes.
between verse 14 and verse number 15, as I've already, as I've already mentioned. Notice with me, in verse 16, it becomes localized. It's in Judea. Then let them which are in Judea flee into the mountains. Well, what about Afghanistan? What about in upper state New York? What about all those other people? They're in a totally different deal that's in verses 5 through 14. This is getting specific about God dealing with Israel. Okay? Y'all with me out there? Okay, look at verse 21. For then shall be great tribulation. This is the first time that these two words, great tribulation, is mentioned. But it's emanating as a nucleus from what's happening in the Holy Land. Okay? The word tribulation means affliction, pressed, pressure, anguish, distress, and trouble. To the very end of this discourse, if we were to continue to read, there is upheaval now that is in heaven. There is an upheaval in heaven. This is, this is explained in detail in the book of Revelations, chapter number eight, stars falling from heaven, and, and there's going to be great wonders, astronomical Wonders that take place in the heavens. This is Matthew 24. It's continuing to unfold, even though the, we're not really talking about that because this is going to be futuristic, I believe, to the church. That's just my view on this. But our subject tonight, if pestilences have been here forever, whooping cough and COVID and all this stuff, famines, wars, earthquakes. If all this stuff has been going on for the last 2,000 years, what time is it? How do we determine where we are? Well, I believe that we might not be able to answer all that question, but I think we can answer it in part. And I would like to attempt to do that tonight. Let's talk about what we do know. As I've already mentioned, there's all the things mentioned, wars, pestilence, famines, deceivers, false, all that kind of stuff. There's one more thing that we do know. We do know that the Antichrist is soon to come. Let's go to Revelation chapter number 13. Look at this. He shall cause all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Now, whenever he does appear and whoever he is, he will play a part in verse number 15 of this chapter, which is the abomination of desolation. He will be a part of that. Who is it? I don't know. I've heard a lot of different things. You've heard a lot of different things. I heard that Jesus was going to come back in 1988, and there were 88 great reasons why you should go out and buy a Cadillac. In 1987, go out and buy a Cadillac so you can drive it for a year because 
the next year you're going to be raptured. Well, 1988 came. I remember I was, I was in church. I was in the Rock Church, and I remember somebody had a little booklet, and I had this booklet, 88 Reasons Why Jesus is Coming Back in 1988. And then there was a guy named Harold Camping um, that began to um, put billboards throughout California saying that Jesus was soon to return. He gave the date. We're still here. No man knows the day or the hour. And God is not a liar. God is not man that he should lie. But I'll tell you what, I want to be busy. Cornerstone, I want to be busy. You need to be busy. Not doing some ding-dong deal. You need to be busy doing the work. We have a job to do. Clap your hands and give God the praise. We have a job to do. And I accept that. You need to accept that in your life to find fulfillment in Jesus Christ. You have to accept that. There's no way around that. So the Antichrist is going to emerge. That's the one thing that we're adding to Matthew 24, that that is going to happen and he is going to play a part in the future situation. I believe that there are some indicators that are not in the Bible, but that we can hang as a, a nail on in a sure place. There are scriptures that let us know. And I want to talk about these for the next several moments. I believe that there are some indicators that undeniably reveal the closeness of the hour that we are in. Um, my wife hosted a women's meeting. Some of our um, ladies from Cornerstone went there. It was in Branson, Missouri. They told me that my pastor was there. I had not seen him. On Saturday, everybody was packing up and getting ready to leave. It was the first time I saw my pastor. And the first thing that he said to me was, Jesus is soon to come. And it just absolutely, it just, it just pushed a bunch of buttons in me. It, it, was, it was truth. I knew it was truth. And he wasn't saying that to get any type of reaction or to me specifically or subjectively. He was saying that as, as an overarching reality that Jesus is soon to come, and I believe that. But I have, there's probably more than this, but I have written down three things that I believe are indicators that time is short. Number one is the level of lawlessness and rebellion that is emerging in our world. Let me get this straight. You guys want to defund the police, and then you dial 911 when someone's trying to break in your car. You have got rocks in your box. Now, I'm going to say that again because we, you need to get on board. This is happening all around us. Let me get this straight. You're going to defund the police, 
and then dial 911 when somebody passes out and you need an ambulance. Something's missing up here. The level of rebellion and lawlessness is to a degree that has never, ever been seen in the history of the modern world. Never. Look at Matthew chapter 24 and verse number 12. Look at this scripture right here. And because iniquity, that word iniquity is translated anomia. And it's where we get lawlessness, and it means a state of being without law. What does that mean? Nobody is going to tell me what to do. Not a pastor, not a parent, not a policeman, not a president. If you, if you can't get your act together while you're being raised at home, and there may be, in our culture, there may be a myriad amount of reasons, and it may not even be your fault why that doesn't happen. then the police and culture has laws that will help you get your act together. If, if the house that you're raised in can't do that, and the police can't do that, and then the government can't do that, you only got one last hope, and that's the baptism of the Holy Ghost and a God-loving, people-loving pastor. And if you can't line up with a pastor, submit unto them that have the rule over you as they that must give an account. The problem with our culture is, is you're bringing your attitude of authority from out there and you're bringing it in here. Honey, we ain't nothing like what's going on out there. In fact, if you'll live for God according to principle, you don't need any other laws. You don't need thou shall not kill and thou shall not commit adultery. When you're in the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you have fulfilled the law. You are living above the law. You have the power within you that gave the law. You know, you have people, there's people that submit, but they have selective submission. That's not really submission. It's not really submission until you're doing it simply on the principle that whether I like this person or not, it's the right thing to do. Well, I'm gonna be friendly to everybody because they're my friends. But Jesus said, that doesn't qualify what I need you to do. I need you to be friendly to them that despitefully use you and hate you. Now you're gonna get the credit. Everybody said amen. Lawlessness and rebellion against authority. I watched in horror like you did. Um, on my Fox News, and I'm probably not going to go to Fox News anymore because they got rid of Tucker Carlson, but that's another story. <laughs> Quit trying to get me to get political. 
Did you see the riots in Minneapolis? One of the very first buildings that they tried to burn down was a police precinct in Minneapolis. They actually, they actually set up these camps of rebellion, one in Seattle and one in downtown Portland. I read, uh, I was in the airport last week and I read that REI, REI is a huge, okay, yuppie. I've been, to, I've been to REI and I bought stuff there, but I'm not a yuppie. But I want to tell you, when you walk in there, people that hike, people that climb, people that love the backwoods, people that love to camp, everything is in there. One of their flagship stores was in downtown Portland. And after, I don't know how many years, I forgot what it was. It was years and years and years. They said, we are pulling out because we cannot be protected from the burglaries. But you were the same guys that were serving people that were saying, burn the city down and defund the police. So they pulled out of Portland. They spent a million dollars on a brand new security system and they were burglarized 10 times in the space of one year and they said, we're done. The police, if they're there at all, That's the whole deal what they're saying in some of these cities is they're not even putting these people in jail. Oh, what'd you do? Oh, you raped somebody? No. Be a good boy, get back out on the street. It's happening all, come on, your head's not in the sand. You know exactly what I'm talking about. It is taking place everywhere. Let's go to uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Who will let no man, wow, look at this. Let no man deceive you by any means. Where did we read that? For that day shall not come except there come a falling away. And that son, that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes, look it. All lawlessness comes directly from this source right here. Who opposes and exalteth himself. I don't have to listen to the pastor. I don't have to listen to my parents. I don't have to listen to the principal. I don't have to listen. I don't want to listen. I don't have to do this. I don't have to do that. It's a spirit. There might be somebody under the sound of my voice that spirit's tried to get on you or get inside your home. Take the authority over that in the name of Jesus. If you've got to have a war, it's worth it. Don't you dare lay down and roll over and let that spirit. That's what's wrong with Pentecost. They're living one way in the church and another way at home. Nobody wants to go to war. Man, I didn't know we were going to get that kind of preaching. Uh-huh. That's preaching. That's real preaching. Well, you ain't got the authority to say that. I beg your pardon. And he gave some apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors for the perfecting of the saints. 
You gave up your rights to your life when you went down in Jesus' name. You were bought with a price. Everybody clap your hands. Everybody give him praise. Everybody exalt the name of Jesus. You're in good hands when you understand who owns you and who bought you. Amen. Look at verse number 10, same chapter. And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth. Ladies and gentlemen, if you don't have that, nothing else matters. If you don't have, well, let, me, let me rephrase this. Let me turn it around. Thank God we have a deep, abiding love for the truth. There's only but one God. There's only but one way to be saved. There's only one way to live. It's not pluralistic. It's, it's not, uh, I think they're right, and I think these guys are right, and I think they might go to heaven. I think, uh, ladies and gentlemen, there's only one gospel. Just settle it. Y'all convinced of this? You have to have a love for truth. If you have a love for truth, you will not be deceived. Because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. Next verse. And for this cause, because they did not receive a love for the truth, God is going to send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. And so the very first warning that Jesus had is going to be what God allows people. God is going to literally allow people Why would he do that? Because God says, I'm looking for somebody that wants me. He's looking for a bride. And God is very specific about his bride. And after he's got his bride, when people are still choosing to do stupid things and love pleasure more than love righteousness and, and love the world more than love God, and, and love the things of the flesh more than the things of the spirit. God says, well, pastor, I'm getting to the point in my life, I don't care who I married. You know, they can have real thick glasses, buck teeth, inverted acne problems. No, you guys need to listen to this. People just get to the place. God is never going to get desperate. This is a privilege. Get out of my way. I want more of it. You just want to act like this is no big deal. Honey, there are millions of people that are starving in third world nations that are waiting on a missionary. Come on, lift your hands and lift your voice and say, God, I'm not going to let any devil try to minimize who I am in the kingdom. I've got the greatest thing this world has ever seen. Come on, let's praise him for a minute. Clap your hands and give him praise.
Somebody shout. Let me tell you how specific God can be. Here about 18 years ago, I'm probably getting the years wrong, but it was a long time ago. We were in our third, no, we were in our second building on Sprague. I was raised in a revival church. I was, I've only known one gear And God called me to Spokane where all I got was slammed doors. I thought this is the home of the frozen chosen, man. Never lived in snow and ice. And my neighbor said, he said, let me give you some good advice, neighbor. Sure. Ditch those license plates. Okay. I could not, I could not. I could not find a person to take a free Bible study, even if I feed them, for one year. And I was in our storefront. I was in praying. Really, it wasn't praying. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to be honest with you. It's called complaining. You can let me be the Lone Ranger. All right. Thank you. I know you're out there. You're all over this place. Don't move. Don't let anybody think you've done it. I'm just telling you the truth. I was complaining. God, you called me here. Can't get a Bible study. Haven't baptized anybody in months. I thought you called me here. You ready? I want you to listen to me. Let me show you how specific God is. The Holy Ghost spoke to this man and said, if you don't like it, I'll get somebody else. I'm glad I didn't give up. I'm glad I didn't throw in the towel. Because God said, I need somebody. I'll do the work, but I need you to be committed, unflinching, unwavering, stay focused. Let's clap our hands and give God the praise. It's happening. It's happening. But I'm telling you, God is not going to change the rules. He's looking for a specific kind of a bride. And if people don't love the truth that they might be saved, there's going to be a lot of people that are deceived and believe a lie. And Delusion, at least on paper, sounds scarier to me than deception. Delusion. Like when a person is deluded, it's not just like they bought something that they were tricked. Delusion is like it affects everything. You're thinking everything. And I believe that the context of that scripture is saying that there's a lot of people that are going to buy into the Antichrist. It's a big deal. So lawlessness, 
I believe this includes violence. Go to Genesis chapter number six. Lawlessness and violence go together. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. You guys are going to talk to us about gun control, but you're putting movies out every week where people are getting shot up. It's hypocrisy at the highest levels. What's happening is they're putting movies out, and there's people that are actually doing what's in the movie. Why don't we put the blame where it belongs? There's spiritual wickedness in high places coming out of Hollywood. Of course, I don't have to worry about that because I don't have Hollywood. I've already judged it. Look at verse number 13. And God said unto Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence. And behold, I will destroy them. We are seeing violence in the streets. You're now seeing people that are putting manifestos together. And I'm going to tell you, there's a reason why they don't want to release that manifesto. Because that's talking about being driven to revenge against society. Ladies and gentlemen, we are there. You're saying, well, I don't see this stuff in the book of Revelation. It's in the front page of your newspaper. That's how close we are. Violence filled the earth, and then God said, I'm done. People in the city, in the cities where, where people, they used to thrive with tourism saying, do not go to New York City, do not go to San Francisco, do not go to Chicago, do not go to any big cities anymore because that's where the violence is. They will not arrest people. They will not do it. Why? Lawlessness and violence. Okay, that's just one of the signs, I believe, that is revealing how close we are. Number two, the exploitation of children. If children are the heritage of the Lord, that's why I was so excited, Brother Darian, about what took place in Children's Church over there during Summit. I want to tell you what, let's, let's take this children thing and let's take it to the limit. Let's get hundreds of them. Let's get thousands of them. Let's buy another van. It's time to buy another van. It's time to get a bigger bus. It's time to, we got we to gotta say, devil, we can see what you're doing. And we're coming against you with everything we got. Just sitting back. That's for another message where we just become... I'm provoked by this. And I think Cornerstone is Cornerstone can rise to the occasion get it and do it all. Instead of being violent, man, I'm going to knock that brother out. Now you leave your hands, you keep your hands to yourself. Big shot. Whatever happened to loving people? Pastor, you was talking about children. I'll get back there. I'm not done talking about this. Cornerstone ought to be the most loving church 
anywhere. How does that happen? It happens with respecting people. Oh, that's just old brother, what's his name? Not to that angel right there, he's not. Not to God, he's not. Ah, oh, that's just old sister so-and-so, just let her just... She sounds like a windmill in the will in the wind. Just let her go. No. That's God's child right there. I think if we got more apostolic, we'd have more love. Because you might be looking at the next missionary to Africa. You might be looking at the next person that's going to turn this city upside down. I'm not going to be here forever. But there's people sitting here. There's Man, when's the last time you did something nice to somebody? The Bible said that he's after people that are zealous unto good works. Just doing something nice. You know, you come over to this guy right here, and there's a voice in your head that says, you ought to step on his foot. Oh, don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about. That voice has been talking to you. But there's a greater voice than that that says, maybe we ought to love this man. We don't know where he's come from. We don't know what he's been through. We don't know what's going on in his world. I love you, man. I'm glad you're here. And you, Come on, somebody. You, you keep listening to those negative voices, and those negative voices get stronger. And now it takes a major tool to unseat those dark voices and get the voice of God back where it belongs. This church ought to be the most loving church in Liberty Lake. Probably the only church in Liberty Lake, but still, it ought to be the most loving one in Liberty Lake. Hallelujah. I really believe this stuff. I really believe this. I really believe the love of God is take care of everything. Let's clap our hands and give him praise. I really believe that. All right, trying to be conscious of time here. I promise you'll be home and tucked in with warm milk and cookies by 9.30. What do you say? One guy. What's important to understand is when children are exploded, exploited in mass. We have biblical precedent for that. That is exactly what Pharaoh proclaimed. They went from house to house to house to house looking for little baby boys to toss in the crocodile-filled Nile River. When the Magi made the mistake and talking to Herod that there's a king born to the Jews. He said, all right, I want you to go in to Bethlehem and I want you to kill all the baby boys. There is some biblical expositor came up with the number that there were 14, approximately, obviously, 14,000 baby boys that died because of that decree. When Pharaoh made that decree, there was the greatest deliverance and the greatest exodus in the history of the Old Testament. 
When Herod gave that decree, it was the greatest deliverance in the history of the human race. Jesus of Nazareth. Children today are being sold into trafficking. They're being mishandled, abused. What is it with all these teachers that are taking advantage of their students? It's a spirit. Man, when I was going in grade school, all my teachers seemed like they were 70 years old. If you would have got fresh with one of them, they'd have slapped you into next week. I think we ought to bring some of that back. Mom and dad are buying your little kids smartphones. You better keep an eye on that smartphone, mom. I don't care how precious that little dumpling is. I'm going to tell you, there is a spirit in this world that is seeking to get the children. But you need to be the vanguard of your home and say, no, 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 no. There's going to be a war around here. It's going to be a war on the floor. Oh, I know, I know, I know. Everybody's too smart, and I know. Listen, I've raised a couple kids, and I'm going to tell you, they weren't perfect. I got just enough education to know what I'm talking about right now. I think you ought to, I think you ought to go through your kids' rooms every once in a while. Well, pastor, I did that. What would you do? I flipped the light on. I'm talking about a deep search. Get your CIA badge, get your flashlight, get there, turn the mattress over, look into the deep recesses of that closet. Come on, I'm trying to talk to somebody right now. What are we talking about? We're talking about saving your kids and pulling them out of the clutches of darkness. The spirit of this world, this is why I know we're close. It is after the children. Pedophilia is rampant in our world. Every once in a while, they do one of these sting operations. And I am amazed when you look at the profile of people that are getting online to try to make contact with either a young boy or a young girl, college professors and, and sheriff officers and, and all, it just, the devil is no respecter of persons. Sin is no respecter of persons. That's how I know we're getting close. Our children are under attack. Who is the dimwit? I'm sorry, this is being recorded, and I'm not, but I'm, 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 I'm getting more upset the more I'm preaching. Hey, everybody listen up. Who is the dimwit that said we need drag queens in our grade school? They need to be buggy whipped, and I'll be the first one to do it. That is insanity. It is abject insanity. Okay, everybody stop. Everybody clap your hands and give him praise. Come on, everybody clap. Everybody give him praise. All right, you can now stop.
That is exactly why we started this school across the street. I said, devil, devil. You say, pastor, it put us in more indebtedness. Right now, that's a secondary issue. We have children we're trying to influence. We, is there anybody that will agree with me tonight? Am I the only one up here preaching? You stare at those same articles I do. Something needs to rise up in you and say, no, no, no. Come on, clap your hands and give God the praise. We might not be able to fix everything, but we can do our part. That's not almost right. That is right. I, I, it, it just is. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm, this is why I told you I'm a little different because I can just go off in a moment's notice. I'm just telling you, that is just right. To sacrifice, to sacrifice when you see things that are taking place in the, in the Department of Education, these school board meetings where they're having open same-sex pornography in the library for your kids, and, and, and no, 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 no. It's time to say, whatever it takes, my kid is going to be an apostolic church. My kid is going to be around God's people. I am rebelling against the spirit of this world, even if it costs me something. I'm serious about this stuff. Number three, and I'll finish with this. And I believe unequivocally, undeniably, that these are indicators of how close we are. If it's the rapture, then so be it. If it's the second physical return, then so I don't think it is. I think it's, I think it's going to be the rapture. But that's just my personal. We have Brother Julian Ryder is coming in July. We're going to have three nights of him teaching on the rapture. We're going to advertise to this whole city, and it's going to be fabulous. That's what he does. He's really good, and you'll enjoy that. Everybody said amen. Everybody said, I will enjoy that. I know you will. It'll be good. And our city wants to know about that. Don't think for one second that all those good people out there, just because they have no voice and they can't do anything about it, are actually going along with this stuff. In reality, it's just a very small fraction that is trying to control this thing. But the fact that they do have control is, I believe, a sign that we're getting close. Undeniably, unequivocally, I believe this is the biggest indicator of how close we are. Is the absolute evaporation of common sense. I'm going to say that again for the people that are just now waking up. The evaporation of common sense, correct thinking, and knowing right from wrong. 
Now, when I was a kid, a dog is a dog is a dog is a dog. In our world, you're not allowed to say dog. It's a he, she, they, it, or whatever you want to call it. I'm telling you, that is nonsense straight from hell. Do you hear this preacher tonight? I am rebelling against the spirit of this world. Tell it what it is. Call it what it is. This is the single greatest indicator, I believe, that we're getting that close. There is a mentality, common sense, let me, let me just back up here, because this is a teachable moment. Common sense is based on morality. God's holiness is based on God's morality. If you don't have moral authority, you have no authority. The first, let, let me turn that around because I might be trying to help somebody right now that's been ravaged by internet pornography. The very first, the very first act of accepting God's authority in your life will be to switch that computer off. Moral authority is the basis for knowing right from wrong. And it's under fire. Like it's going bye-bye. First, first dimension of comprehending morality is your upbringing. This is why Satan has methodically, methodically been given so much ground in Western culture that he has been able to corrupt how people are raised. And then it is reinforced. In, uh, uh, sociology was my major in junior college. And I learned that society is to be the guardrails, the reinforcing guardrails of that which is taught in the home so that, so that you have a healthy society. You don't have any, um, you don't have any aberrant behaviors or anything because everything that you're seeing in a mass of human beings, it's exactly what is supposedly taught and reflected at the individual home. That's what made America great. The most dangerous and the clearest indicator of the times in which we live in is the emergence and the spread of a mentality of reprobation. We are seeing reprobate thinking on a level and a scale that has never, ever, ever. This is why Jesus said, it's going to be like times that have never existed on the face of the planet. Reprobation, where you have people that are politicians that cannot define what a woman is. And I, 
I know that I'm borrowing a lot that what we hear from, but that is the culture that you and I are moving in. That is the culture that God has called us to affect. You cannot sit in this building and act like it's going to go away and it's going to get better. No, you and I are here. This is why I say, let's put the pedal to the metal. Let's go out of this thing in a blaze of glory. The church is indestructible. The gates of hell shall not prevail. But you got to be in the church. You got to be a part of the church. Everything that's not in the church is going to get because judgment first begins in the house of God. That's what's going on in the building right now. Because God is finding out who really who really wants to go all the way with this thing. I believe I do. I believe you do. That's exactly why I'm preaching this tonight. Let's go to Romans chapter 1 and watch the de-evolution where human beings become more animal-like than God-like, which is what they were originally created to be. Romans chapter 1, verses 18 and 19, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and righteousness of men who hold the truth. That word truth keeps coming up in this end time scenario. Next verse, please. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. Why? They're made in the image of God. Brother Aaron and Sister Whitney had a beautiful baby girl at 1.30 this afternoon. Made in the image of God. Yes, her name is Kamala Lenore Mayo. Well, hallelujah. Let's go to verse number 21. Professing themselves to be wise, you cannot have a conversation with a person that believes in this transgender ideology. They're, they, the basis for that conversation does not exist. We, they, them, what? You can be fired on a job for calling somebody, oh yeah, she, oh, I'm sorry, I made a mistake, you're fired. Says right here. Okay, it said this to me, and then it did this, and it did that, and idiot did that. Sorry. I can't help myself. Do you see how crazy this world is getting? Somebody wanted to tear down a statue of Abraham Lincoln because he was the president of the time of the Civil War. Ladies and gentlemen, he was in favor of setting all those sl slaves loose. He wasn't, he w It's insanity. How do you champion insanity? 
or how do you champion against insanity? You got to be talking the truth on the way out. Talk about it on your job. Talk about it to everybody. It's truth. It's truth. It's truth. It's truth. I don't care how great the numbers become. It's truth. It's truth. Listen, we're on the we're on the precipice of the greatest revival we've ever had. Why? Because most Americans are not buying into that nonsense. They still believe that a dog is a dog and a cat is a cat and a man is a man and a woman is a woman. It's time for revival. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world. Clap your hands and give God the praise. But ladies and gentlemen, we are close. Because these things have infected the White House. They've infected the highest powers in the land. I don't care what's going on in the White House. I care what's going on in God's house. Man, it's not the board, it's the Lord. We need to just get radical. We just need to get radical. I'm ready. How about you? I'm a tired Almost 69-year-old radical apostolic. Let's do it. Look at verse number 23. They changed, they were so smart that they changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image which is denounced in the Old Testament. Actually, the second commandment. But this is idolatry. Idolatry is the preeminent human sin. Fornication is number three. They made an object to worship instead of worshiping the invisible God. Okay, so because man as a race is moving away from truth, God responds. God is not just sitting there, as some agnostic would tell you, that he's on some lofty. No, God is responding. Go to, my, go to that next verse, please. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness. Fornication, sexual idolatry. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. That is the deification of sexuality. All this nonsense that they're teaching children. Um, and it, ladies and gentlemen, I, I want to tell you, it's everywhere. It is all pervasive. They have books that are, uh, that are describing sex acts and they're describing certain behaviors and things that children should pursue. And God is responding to all that. That's how close we are. Verse 25. Who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature. People that worship people. 
more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Verse 26, and for this cause, see, every time, every time man goes further down the moral decline, God keeps responding, and God's, God, God is allowing that adjustment to be permanent, permanent, permanent to where man, instead of becoming everything we were created to be after the baptism of the Holy Ghost, man sinks to the level of being like an animal where he's led by the lust of his own flesh and the predilection of the voices in their head. For this cause, God gave them up into vile affections. Lesbianism, according to Romans chapter number one, preceded homosexuality, preceded being gay. Lesbianism. For even their women to change the natural use into that which is against nature. Likewise, also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust, one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves the recompense of the heir which was me. What that means is, is that, is that when a person locks into that condition, that there is, there is a whole nother, look at the terminology here, and that which is unseemly, receiving in themselves. It means there's something that changes in them that God never designed. They become something that God never intended. Everything shifts. Man, I know this is intense stuff, but this is a truth-loving church. Go to verse number 28. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. I'm just going to go ahead and be whatever the world's telling me to be. I'm starting to watch these clips, ladies and gentlemen. I'm starting to watch these clips of people that are now trying to detransition. They don't want them to be heard. They are being ostracized from the very own group that at one time they would told, were told would embrace them with open arms. You want to know why? Because they're all claiming that I'm a freak. Look what science did to me. They told me I'd be happy. They told me I'd find fulfillment. They told me I'd be what I was supposed to be. The suicide rate. We're closer than when we first believed. Verse number 29. Being filled, God gave them over. I'm sorry, go back to verse, to verse 28 again. And even as they did not like to retain God in their not, You know, you can override conviction. Well, I know the pastor teaches that, and I know the people do that. I, I just don't want to do it. I, what it is is you... It's not that you don't want to do it. You don't understand why God wants you to do that. You got to have a little more than a 15 or a 20 minute prayer meeting. You got to get into the Holy Ghost and begin to see things. And God will reveal them unto you. Even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind. The word reprobate mind. This may shock you. You know what that word means? 
not passing the test. Not passing the test. To do those things which are not convenient. This is the spirit that's in our world right here. I want you to, I want you to look at the characteristics of that spirit. Being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, We're a lot closer. Now, with this, this, this latest deal that is the, the culmination of all these, all these spirits and, and an actual act of God, they're actually trying to force people to either accept me or we will riot or even worse. It's gone way worse than the Rodney King riots. It's way beyond that. Now they've got guns going into elementary schools. We are closer because never in the history of the human race has there been this level of lawlessness and violence, this degree of the abuse of children, and an absolute population of reprobation. Never, never. The church in every age, the church in every hour, in order to be effective in their moment, in time, in their hour, in the reality of now, you have to understand the enemy. What was said of the church in the 80s, and I remember this because I got saved in the 80s, that's where this analogy of a, of a frog in a kettle came in. It was an illustration of the church in a time of plenty and prosperity and peace. Cornerstone, I'm right there with you. But it's time to be what God called us to be. Without fear, we're not going to get ugly. We're not going to get out there and with, uh, uh, I think we ought to have signs and picket. The, the, you can do way more on your knees than you can with a picket sign, Okay. Ephesians chapter 6 says we, we, that's where you fight this thing is on your knees. It's in the spirit. It's time to get radical. Because a lot of people out there are seeing the same thing. They just don't know, they don't know what it is. I know what it is. They are end time spirits that are running this thing into the ground. If he can get people to commit suicide before they can accept Jesus Christ and obey the gospel... He got him. He doesn't care how he does it. 
He doesn't care how long. He plays the long game with people. He can let you sit in a church all your life. But you go through one trial where you weren't prayed up and you had a bad attitude and you become a casualty. The devil's playing the long game. Pastor, you're scaring us. I'm not trying to scare you. Greater is he that's in you. If you could just lift your hands and get outside your comfort zone. I don't get up here and worship like this on Sunday to impress people. I'm really feeling this stuff. I really believe God's that great. I really believe God's that good. I really believe it. Let's all stand to our feet and clap our hands and give him praise. Come on, somebody lift your voice. Hey, we win. You are indestructible. The gates of hell, they might get in the school. The gates of hell might get in the White House. The gates of hell might get in Congress. But the gates of hell will not prevail in the church of the living God. Clap your hands and give him praise. Greater is he that's in you and I. I'm telling you, you're way greater than you think. You have way more power than you realize. And the devil knows if you ever realize any of those kind of things, you're going to be a major threat to him. How many people have ever watched a 100-yard dash where there's hurdling? You ever seen that? Okay. You ever seen people that didn't make it over the hurdle? Okay. What do they do? They keep going, right? Come on, you guys, y'all out there? Is the PA on? I'm just, I'm sorry. I don't mean to be so sarcastic. Listen, when a guy is doing a 100-yard hurdles, when he knocks over a hurdle, he doesn't go back and set it up and then start running. That's exactly what the devil's got some of you guys doing. You, you didn't make it over the hurdle. Just keep going. The goal is the finish line, not the hurdle. Devil, you might have had last week, but you ain't getting it no more. I'm going to the finish line. Come on, clap your hands and give God the praise. I might have messed up over 100 hurdles, but honey, I ain't going backwards. I'm not looking backwards. It's straight ahead to the finish line. All right. Everybody said warm milk. Fuzzy slippers. Come on, say it. All right. God, in the name of Jesus, I pray that this has been a blessing. If for no other reason we told the truth here today, we didn't just mess around, but we told the truth in Jesus' name. I pray you open up the windows of heaven and bless every person with a genuine identity of who they are in God. God bless you. Shake hands, be friendly in Jesus' name.